As you guys know, we are in a series right now called For Love and Impact. And uh, make another round of applause if this, if this series is like affecting you in any shape, way, or form, because we couldn't be in a better season for this, or a better series for this time of year, amen? Like, like to be able to focus on Parallel, and if you're here for the first time to Parallel, I wanna say welcome, first of all, but also that For Love and Impact, like this is our, this is our slogan, this is why we exist as a church, is for love and impact. That being said, in this series, when I was asked to speak, I got really, really excited because I could speak all day about these two items, about love, impact, and how we make a difference. Like, I get really excited. I hope you guys get excited when you hear those two words as well because this is what we are, this is what we're, we're meant to do. Amen? So. I remember, um, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I remember being really young and my parents would always be volunteering in things and they'd always be going and helping out with things and they would drag me along and be like, just, just, just do something. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to be here. <laughs> and uh, most of the times it was around the holiday season where they would be partnering with other ministries or something like that. And as, as the kid, you come along and you're, you're kind of just dragged into it. And then as I got a little bit older and I continued to do it, there was aspects of it that, that, that caught me, that like gripped me. And if, you wanna, if you're taking notes today, like the, the title of the message today is Arrested by Compassion. Arrested by Compassion. Usually when you're arrested for something, you don't want to be arrested. It's not something you plan on doing. But when you are, it's against your, it's, it, it kind of goes against your will and it kind of goes against your, your normal nature. I just want to give you a story. What, yesterday, no, the day before, we were out shopping for Shop of Wonders, which is our Christmas, how do you say it? Christmas outreach for, uh, for My City Care. And while we were out shopping, we went to the dollar store first and we completely pummeled them. Like they scheduled two people for that day and we come in with nine carts of like trying to feed toys through. But then we went, to an, uh, we went to another local merchant, and in this place, we were gathering so many toys into a cart, and I'm at the checkout with like three carts full of toys, and there's an older woman that is in the line ahead of me, and she looks back, she's like, oh, you must have a lot of kids. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope, try again. Um, and I was like, no, actually, this is, for a, this is for a charity, and we do this every year, and she's like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of toys. And as we, I went to my checkout lane, and then she went to her checkout lane, and then while the teller is ringing through all of my toys, all the toys in our cart, she finishes up her transaction, but she's kind of just standing there. And she's, she's, like, she's like, well, if you need a lift out to your car, like this, this lady is like 86 years old. She's like, if you need a lift out to your car, like I'll, I'll be happy to bring some bags out. And I'm like, I'm like well, I'm, I actually think the teller and, and the cashier are going to help us. And she's like, she's like, they're not going to help you with all those things. I'm like, yes, they are. <laughs> But then she's standing there, and, she, and she, it's like she's torn between her agenda of the day and what God is doing in her heart. It was, it was a tension to manage for her, and I could watch, because she had other things to do. She could have been on her way and out the door, but she was standing there, and she was watching. She's like, how do I help? There was something in her that wanted to help and assist. And as the cashier's like, no, 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 we got it. She's like, she's like okay, well, maybe, maybe I'll stop by and make, make a donation. And it got me thinking, is that, a lot of times when we're searching for compassion in a season, like this may be a very, very hard season for some of you. That you're coming in here today and you're kind of on your last energies and you're like, I really have nothing else to give this season. I, I, I'm just, I, I need to receive something. But some of us 
get into that sense where it's like, I have nothing, but I want to give something. I want to be a part of something bigger, even though I'm broken inside. I want to help restore something because I, like, you know what I'm talking about? Can I, am I speaking to anybody here today? Is that that tension happens, and that tension doesn't always happen in a comfortable zone. So my message today, talking about Arrested by Compassion, is that sometimes compassion surfaces itself in the most uncomfortable places, places you don't want to be, places you were dragged into. Maybe you got dragged here today, and you're sitting here like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> That's okay, because God can do something in places we don't want to be. He can do significant things in places we don't want to be. And so in talking about this, I want... I want to ask you the question, have you, ever been, have you ever been arrested by compassion? Where you were torn between your daily errands that you were running, but then suddenly you found yourself in an environment where something stole your attention. And you're like, no, I need to do something here. I remember many a times, like when Maddie was younger, we would be uh, like in grocery stores or having coffee or something, and then something was, was pulling on my heart because I would see somebody across the table that was sitting by themselves having coffee, and I'm just like, why am I so drawn to this person? Like, why, why is it stealing all of my focus? My family is here, but my focus is there. Why? And then you start, to be, you start acting on those things. I remember this one time that we were driving back from BC to Alberta, and we were in Revelstoke, and we were just stopping to get some gas. But as we were going around, like, the city's laid out so ridiculously. But as you're going around, like, the turnaround bend, I see this, this gentleman who's having a really hard time, and he's down on his luck, and he's sitting on the sidewalk asking for money or for help, and I pull over the car, and this isn't to be prideful, but I just want, I, I don't feel like I can speak from this if, if I haven't given you evidence that I've done it. Does that make sense? Because I'm not going to challenge you to do something I haven't done. And so we pull over the car, and I get out and give whatever change, change I have, but then I come back to the car, and Maddie's getting out of the car now, and she's running over, and she had trip money left over, and she's giving him everything that she had. And so there's something about when you act on the tension of when God is pulling you for compassion that has a generational effect. And it's powerful. Now, if you can't relate to what I'm talking about today, I want to break compassion down a little bit because it's a flippant word around this kind of season. And we toss it here. It's like, have compassion on people. Have compassion and passion and passion. But if you were to really break down the word compassion... Passion means to suffer. So when you think about like the movie, The Passion of the Christ, it's Christ suffering. Passion means to suffer. Compassion means we suffer together. Is that it's gone beyond a feeling, to suffer together. The feeling that arises when you are confronted with another suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. So it's not that you just have empathy. Empathy and compassion are two very different things. So empathy, compassion is different from empathy. If you look at Empathy is our feeling of awareness towards other people's emotions and an attempt to understand how they feel. So when we're driving down the street and we see people that are having hardships and we're like, I, I'm, you have empathy for that person. You're trying to understand what it's like to be in their shoes. Compassion is an emotional response to empathy, sympathy, but it creates a desire to help. It is putting our feet to our feelings. It's no longer just sitting back and be like, I, I feel for that person. No, it's like I'm making a decision to decide to do something about it. It's participative. It's engaging. We're going to look at a story today, and it's a very short scripture in Mark. But if you watch the turnaround of it, you'll see someone that was put in a very difficult position that wasn't on their agenda list for the day. But in the midst of being in that position, God used them in a powerful way. So in Mark... 
chapter 15, 21, we see this gentleman named Simon from Cyrene. Simon from Cyrene. Cyrene is now known as modern-day Libya, but Cyrene was a place where Simon and his sons, Alexander and Rufus, were, were, had taken off, and they're headed to Jerusalem to go and celebrate Passover. Passover was an event where they celebrated the tradition of when the Egyptians were released from slavery back in Exodus, if you look earlier on in the Bible. And so Simon from Cyrene and his two boys, Alexander and Rufus, are on a 30-day trip to Jerusalem for Passover. 30 days. We're not talking like Uber. We're talking foot, donkey, walking. <laughs> like this was their mode of transportation. Can you imagine being a parent with two young boys for 30 days on the road? Like Uber was probably what they called donkeys back then. <laughs> but after 30 days, they arrive at the gates of Jerusalem. And it says this in scripture. I'm going to start here and then I'll explain a little bit more. It says, and they, which are the soldiers, compelled a passerby coming from the country, someone of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. I know that doesn't give a whole lot of context, so let me begin here. Is that Simon and Cyrene, Simon of Cyrene and his boys are coming into Jerusalem at the same time that Jesus is on his way to Golgotha. It's a very interesting intersection that's happening here. So as they're going in to celebrate a tradition, Jesus is in a procession of Roman soldiers beating him, whipping him with two other criminals, and they're on the way to the cross. And Simon and his boys and Jesus intersect. Not really a place that Simon wanted to be with his young boys, because he's like, I'm sure on the trip they're talking about, Jerusalem's great, they've got great food, and he's trying to build them up. It's like, 30 days isn't that long, you'll love it when you get there. And then they get there. And there's three criminals in a procession that are headed to Golgotha. And what happens is the Roman soldiers pull Simon from Cyrene away from his boys. And they tell him he needs to carry Jesus' cross. Now to Simon, Jesus in this moment is a criminal. He's like, why do I need to carry this criminal's weight? And he didn't want to be there. So as I'm speaking today, I would love for you to just go through your mind and think about, man, all the places that, that you, were, you were there, and it was more like an interruption that happened than you see it as a God-divine God, appointment. It was like someone came in here, like, really, I'm tired. I really don't, I don't have the means to help you. I don't have the time to help you. Think about those moments. They've probably come up pretty recently in this holiday season where you've been with your family, and then something grabs you, a phone call comes, you're just like, oh, really, another, another thing? Compassion doesn't surface in the pleasant times, but more often than not in the most convenient moments. And there's a strange dichotomy that's happening. Simon's intentions with his family are to celebrate tradition, but he finds himself carrying the weight of another to the road to redemption, and they begin to suffer together. Now, I, I can just imagine people yelling at the criminals, being like, you deserve it. You're getting what you asked for, like, like all those things that people say to people when they don't really know them. And yet, in the procession that's happening, Simon is right behind Jesus, and he's carrying Jesus' weight. But while Simon is carrying Jesus' weight, Jesus is responding to women that are crying 
along the side of him in the procession. And the cry of Jesus and how he's responding to these women is different than how a criminal would respond to them. So Simon is like, why is this person so different? Why isn't he lashing out like the other criminals? He's actually, he's showing love. He's, he's, he's speaking compassion in some of his most broken moments. And if you can see, what, if you could see just what's happening here in this story is that Simon came with an agenda, and yet now he's picking up the weight of somebody else. But on the weight of picking somebody else, he's seeing a different side of what he first saw as a criminal. It's not, it's not a criminal anymore. He's like, there's, there's, there's beauty in this person. There's, there's kindness in this person. There's redemption in this person. And I think many times that if we would just allow ourselves to get past the feeling of compassion and engage, even though we don't want to, even though we don't have the time for it, even though we may not have the resources for it, but we put ourselves in the situations with people that we don't normally walk alongside, you will hear different stories than what you thought or assumed were their life. Had the amazing privilege to, uh, to travel many places and... Most, mostly impoverished places. And you may be sitting there and it's like, why is it a privilege to, to be around poverty? It's because if you, if you remove yourself from the proximity of problems, you'll never be able or be in a position to solve them. You'll never be. You can stand on the outside and criticize it all you want, but until you actually get into the mix of it, you'll never be in the position to fix it. And with that is that compassion moves in different Scenario. So when you're coming in and you're expecting something and God does something in your heart, you leave feeling and seeing something or someone completely different. Now, when the scriptures talk about compassion in relation to God the Father, they say God is full of compassion. When they talk about it in reference to Jesus, they say he was moved by compassion. God is full of compassion. Jesus is moved by compassion. Whatever you are full of, you will be moved by. If you are full of regret, you'll, every interaction will come out from a platform of regret. If you are full of pride, everything that you say and how, and how you behave will be prideful. You see what I'm saying? So if you're full of it, you're going to be moved by it. And watch throughout the scriptures here. Jesus' ministry was marked by compassion. I'm going to take you on a really quick journey. Matthew 14, 14. It says, And Jesus, when he saw a great multitude, he was moved by compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32. Jesus had compassion for the multitudes, and he fed them. Matthew 20, verse 34. It says, Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Matthew 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Mark 1, verse 21 says, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. This is him healing a blind man. There's many more. There's one where a widow's son dies and he's in the procession and he touches the coffin and, and the boy is raised to life. There's something interesting and there is a Connecting dynamic amongst these scriptures is that when Jesus moved in compassion, miraculous things happened. The miracles came into the situation. And it has me wondering is that many of us go through this season and we look at our hardships and we say, God, if you would just move in this situation, God, move this mountain, God, move this 
differently so I can feel some kind of ease. But I'm wondering if maybe the question we should be asking is like, God, move me in compassion so that I can see the miraculous happen. Put me into situations. God, move my heart out of a place of, of, of self-interest into a place of servitude. God, put me into places so that I can... Are you hearing me today? Like, God, move me instead of God, move. So many times we ask for a move of God, and rarely, very rarely do we ask for God to move in us so that the miraculous can happen through us. And what a season for it to happen. When Jesus was moved by compassion, there was a force that went through him, and he reached the multitudes. The dead were raised, the strongholds were broken, the sick were healed, and he provided and met needs. Compassion looks for the sinning, it looks for the sick, it looks for the suffering, the seeking, and those hurting and broken. Compassion always preceded the miraculous. When there was a move of compassion, there was a release of miracles. I don't know about you. But after the years we've gone through and the year we're going into, there are a whole lot of families that need a miracle. And for love and impact, my goodness, if there was anybody on the planet to do it, let's do it, church. But God has to move through us. And we have to be willing to step in and be like, I can put a hand in that. And we need to live in that tension where it's like, yes, I have agenda and I have things I need to take care of, but also there is a space over here that only I can play. Like there's a part in here that God is using me to help with. So can I just ask church that we'd be okay living in that tension for this season in order to see the miraculous happen to the lost, the broken, the sinning, the hurting, the broken for love and impact. If for no other reason we're here, come on church. First John 3.17, this is King James Version. This isn't how I talk by any means, but I found this interesting. But whoso hath the world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from... Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Bowels of compassion from him. Now dwelleth the love of God in him. That's an interesting statement. Let's talk about bowels for a second. Biologically, if your bowels move on the inside, come on, stay with me. <laughs> if your bowels move on the inside, there's going to be some action on the outside. <laughs> your bowels can't move and you remain still. There's something that sits in you. So maybe some of you are feeling right now, you're like, just talk and finish the message I need. <laughs> There's something that sits in you and, and stirs and it's uncomfortable. It's like, I need to do something. I need to get up and move. I would pray that that would be our perspective this season. For love and impact, we can't passively change a city. We can't sit back and expect, I mean, we've done it. We've sat back and waited for people, governments, to move and change things. And I don't know, it's, it's not getting any better. So church... Let that be, let's let that be the mind, I mean, not bowels. Don't think about bowels all holiday season, <laughs> depending on your diet and how, you, how far you go into this season. But what would happen if that would be our minds? I, I can't sit here in this holiday season. There's so many, there's so much help that's needed over here. There's so much, so many, so many needs over here. And there's, there's something I know that my talent, my gifting, whatever God has put in me could be used over here. Like we cannot just sit on what God has entrusted us to get up and go and do. And when Simon and his boys, like I'm, I'm thinking about his boys watching their father 
Step into an uncomfortable situation. Do you know what that does for the, for the generation down? When they see people that have grown in their faith and then helping and serving the least of these, do you know what that does? It says, oh my goodness, I'm a part of something bigger than myself to our kids. And then it gives them the mindset that this life isn't just about us, but that we have something to offer everybody. And it gets them involved in the bigger picture that God is building with all of us. As Simon walked behind Jesus and began to learn who he was by word of the crowds and, and the sign that was hung around Jesus' neck, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, like Simon gained a new perspective of this criminal. I'm wondering if we're really willing in the season to suffer with others, suffer alongside others. Our statement as a church, come along, we come alongside. Coming alongside is, it's not pleasant all the time. And many of us may, I would do whatever it takes to see this city change. I would do whatever it takes so that this person comes out of, out, of, out of poverty. Or I would do whatever it takes to make sure this family has a good Christmas. But you know what doing whatever it takes takes? It takes whatever you've got. It takes whatever you've got. It's uncomfortable and it pushes you. And you find new strength in doing it. But it will take whatever you've got. So don't get surprised that when you start suffering along somebody else that you feel that suffering a little bit. But what is a reward like a life change without a cost? Yeah. I love this quote by Matthew Barnett, who is uh, the owner and founder of the LA Dream Center. He says this, the most broken human beings can often show the experienced believer what love looks like. That kind of love is raw, real, and not mechanical. The kind of love that does not have time to consider if compassion should be granted. It just pounces off the afflicted, on the afflicted with pure grace without overthinking the worthiness of the recipient. That kind of compassion. The kind of compassion that's like, I get that you're interrupting my day, but I can't help but suffer alongside you in this season. The takeaway today is this. If compassion doesn't cause you to act, then it's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. And feelings are fickle. They come and they go. We have good ones. We have bad ones. Good days, bad days. But if compassion doesn't cause you to be like, I have some, I, I, I need to do something. I may be like 86 years old, but I could stand here and I love, and I'm drawn to the the abnormality that you're sitting here with six carts for kids that aren't yours of toys. I'm drawn to it and I can't walk away. I, I just can't walk away and not do anything. So I live in that tension. It's like I got things I got to do, but there's people that need help. And church, I'm asking that in this season, as we go into these holidays where, where some of us are, are well off and some of us are not well off, that we would, we would be willing to not shy away when that tension comes, but that we would say to, say to ourselves, like, no, I have something to offer in this situation. I can step in maybe for an hour. I can step in for two hours and, and, and offer whatever I have. I know it's uncomfortable in my, I've got other things on my list that need to get done, but, and I truly honestly believe that that appointment that happened between Jesus going to redemption and Simon going to a tradition, church that's us. 
We come every week. It's tradition for us. But can I just charge you that along your road to tradition that God wants to use you as a pivotal point in redemption. Like he wants you to come alongside somebody else and be like, you're not alone. For love and impact. Amen? And if you're here today and you don't know anything about Jesus, or you've never even considered the fact that maybe there was a dude 2,000 years ago that decided to take your weight and my weight and everybody else's in this room and on this earth, that, that you would consider for a moment that you're not doing this holiday season alone. You're not doing life alone. And I want to invite you into a relationship that many of us have said yes to where it's, it's Jesus longing for a relationship with you. And when Jesus came to this earth, they call him counselor, prince of peace, lord of lords. That was his name when he arrived as a baby. But the fact that Simon can get behind a stranger and carry his cross to the Golgotha, like I can't imagine the epiphany that was happening in Simon's mind when he realized that his savior that he carried the weight for was hanging up on the cross for him. The exchange of that weight is... And if you're here today and you're carrying a whole bunch of weight, I want you to know that there's somebody that already went to the cross and carried it for you. You don't need to carry that with you anymore, and he wants a relationship with you, and that's what this, that's what this church is all about. Like, that's what church is all about. It's us finding our, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't have that, I'm looking at you also up in the balcony. If you don't have that today, I want to offer it up to you. The simple prayer. So every head bowed, every eye closed in this room, if we could say this together, repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son to carry weight for me. And I pray that I would realize that in its depth today. Jesus, I'm asking you to be Lord of my life, my Savior, and my friend. Thank you that my past is past and I can begin a new life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now with every head bowed still, every eye closed, there's somebody in this room that probably said that for the first time today. If, you, if that's you, would you be bold enough? Be like, yeah, Pastor Tim, I said that for the first time today. And just give me a raise of your hand. Say, yeah, I would, I would like to continue this relationship with Jesus and discover what it's all about. We want to come alongside you and help you in that. I'm just going to look around one more time. Amazing. Our God's so good. Amen.